0: Hey you guys, welcome back to the Inspiring Souls podcast. We're so happy you're listening with us today. Today we have Courtney with us and we are just going to get to know her and kind of her story. So we'll just start with her introducing herself to us.
1: Yeah, hi everyone. Happy to be here. Um my name is Courtney Johnson and I am the CEO and founder of Culinary Care. It is a nonprofit organization I started 10 years ago uh now, so it's a really exciting birthday year for us. Yeah. Um but it stems from personal experience. I lost my father to lung cancer when I was heading into my senior year of high school. And so it was just a crazy time for my family and I, and amidst all of the stress and chaos of going in and out of treatment and, you know, being kind of his full-time caregivers, um, you know, we where it had meals at our doorstep every single day. It was something that, um, you know, for us as a family, food always brought joy into our lives and was a moment where we could de-stress and connect. And so being able to have that continue to be the experience, mm-hmm. um, just meant so much to me and my family and just being able to go home from the hospital after a really long day or have something with us at the hospital, um, just made a world of difference. And so, that was kind of the impetus behind culinary care was really just thinking about other families that were going through a similar situation and maybe they needed a good meal and someone to care about them and and some support. And my dad was a huge foodie. It was something where we were just always planning like our next meal and looking forward to it. And so I was really fortunate to grow up in a household and even through his treatment to be able to have food be a point of joy for us and not stress and that's not a reality for so many families that are fighting cancer and so at culinary care that's really what we set out to do was to help nourish as many recoveries as we could and to us nourishment is, is as our name embodies both the culinary side and the care. So we deliver free meals from local restaurants to outpatient cancer centers um, on a daily basis. So every every weekday we're out there um, delivering lunchtime meals to families that are in treatment. And then on the care side, we have just a whole community, whether it's our donors, our volunteers, we're sending cards to families, making phone calls, checking in with them. And it is just amazing to see what um a little bit of care and compassion can do for someone's spirit and soul and just helping them get through treatment. So
0: yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. So how did you like obviously losing your dad and experience like going through that experience was probably really really hard but how did you get to the point where you're like okay this is this made such a difference to me I want to get back like how did culinary care start what triggered that
1: yeah I think I've always been charitable like for as long as I can remember I've been volunteering like through high school through childhood like I think my parents were really good about making sure that we were doing something to give back. And so that was always instilled with me from the very beginning. Um, when my dad passed away, there was really no time to process it. Like I was literally studying for the ACT while my mom was planning his funeral. And so it was just like, you have to keep going. And the last thing he would want is for me not to go to college or to take a break or not like keep keep on pace with what I was planning to do. Um, So having four years, (laughs) four years of college to, you know, figure out what I was going to do. I initially started um, at the University of Arizona thinking that I was going to be a doctor and that I was going to help people in that way. And I was going (coughs) to sort of be able to work through that experience and the pain of losing my dad and just help others, um, you know, survive cancer in that way. And it just, chemistry and calculus and all of those things did not land with me. Well, so (laughs) So, we're
0: right on the same page.
1: Yeah, it was not, it was not a good fit. And I felt like, okay, that's just not going to be the right path for me. And so I finished school with a communications degree and moved back to the Chicago area where I'm from. And it was really just something where I was working in uh, public relations and marketing and just really wanted to do something more meaningful. Yeah. And so as I was thinking through my experience and what was meaningful for me, it was really those meals. And I I mean, making people happy is something that I just like to do. And I feel like food always makes people happy. And so for me, food has just always been my love language. And so that was just the way that I really wanted to help people. And yeah, finally got to combine, you know, while I'm not a doctor, yeah. <laughs> I get to help people doing something that, that really just aligns with my passions. And for my dad too, it's something that I just, I get to talk about him and after college, I could definitely feel more of his memory slipping away and really wanted to make sure that I was doing something to to be able to talk about him and keep his memory alive and his legacy. And so, uh, you know, with his passion for food and uh, that being something that just so quickly connected with me when we were going through treatment wow. with him, that that was just really kind of how how the idea was brought to life. And it's just been a lot of, a lot of hard work since then. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. So how, like, how did you know there was a need for something like this? Like, obviously you had people who showed up for you and like provided those things because that was such a positive experience for you. But how did you like realize that this was something that not everyone gets like that they would need?
1: Honestly, we didn't know that starting culinary care. We just thought I was working full time. Um, and so I worked full time for two and a half years, and culinary care was just kind of it was a you know, side job, volunteer yeah. job. Um yeah. it was kind of like when I when I can do it, I will. And that was part of what we were trying to learn, honestly, it was just starting off and saying, Okay, if there's just maybe one person out there that yeah. doesn't have this support because my family had it and so it is, you know, something where we were like, oh, maybe it is just something where everyone has meals at their yeah. doorstep already, or they they have the community that's surrounding them and they don't necessarily need the service, but maybe there is just like one person that I can help. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ended up finding that person within the first year. And so we put out flyers and delivered our first meal in March of 2013. And she ended up writing a four-page letter back to us about her experience mm-hmm. and how much it meant for her to not have to worry about food she was living alone she had just moved to chicago so she had no community support she was diagnosed with cancer and was just totally isolated and she just didn't know where else to turn and cooking for one just made her feel more lonely and so she just wasn't eating properly it was just kind of this vicious cycle of both loneliness and then not getting the nourishment she needed physically
0: and she just said like when you're dealing yeah. with a health struggle, like that is when you need that nourishment. You need to eat. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's definitely way
1: more challenging. And I've learned beyond even just what I experienced with my dad and just some challenges that he faced. But just learning, we've worked now with dietitians and hospitals and have learned that one in five cancer deaths every single year are actually a direct consequence of malnutrition. And about like 80% of all cancer patients have some form of malnourishment. And, you know, we all have to eat to survive. And for when you're fighting cancer, that's particularly important. And it is just something where some of the root causes that we've learned about and seen from our patients is just having, you know, depression and anxiety can lead to anorexia. And so you're not feeling hungry. Loss of appetite is one of the most common Um, at least chemo treatment side effects. And so your body just isn't triggering you in the same way to say like, Hey, I'm hungry. Like you should be eating. Um, And then also just the financial strain of going through treatment. Like it is definitely a huge burden on your finances. And so if you're not hungry, and you need to pay for medical bills and other things. There's this really sort of easy choice that's made, which is we'll just skip a meal. You're not hungry anyways. Let's just go to bed. And so, um, those are the types of you know things that we always work, we continually work to help patients overcome, just by providing free meals and the and the community support side of things. And so, yeah, it's definitely been a lot that we've learned along, along the way, but it really just started with one person and then one more person and then a couple hundred. And now we're, you know, at 700 plus families this year. So wow. <laughs> it, the need you, just keeps growing every year. So yeah, it, uh, I
0: love that. I love that. So, yeah. much. um, so do you, are you just in Chicago still, or have you kind of branched out to other places, things like that? Yeah.
1: We are in Chicago still, and then for, we'll be launching in Dallas um, in 2024, so uh-huh. we're excited to be here, so just building uh, building relationships locally, so if you're if you're here, love, reach out, let us know, and then our plan over the next five years is to be in five cities over the next five years. We actually just got a request today from someone in Seattle um, from a hospital that wants to be able to bring this to her patients, but... And there's still just even work we need to do in Chicago to expand and reach yeah. more hospitals there. So yeah. there's definitely, unfortunately, the need is far greater than I think we ever even you know anticipated when starting this. And so it yeah. is something that, that everybody could use a little comfort and good food.
0: Yeah. So, do you work directly with the hospitals to kind of coordinate that effort for these patients, or how how do you get to that point where you're like, okay, these people need us?
1: Yeah, logistically, um, if you are going in for treatment, we partner with hospitals, and that's where you find out about our program. Okay. Um, you know, obviously, we're on social media and Facebook and things, so people yeah. might learn about us. But um, you are primarily referred by your social worker, your dietitian, or a nurse. And typically what we try to do and where we really work closely in partnership with hospitals is catching people before their first treatment day. Um, A lot of, we actually learned this when we first started culinary care, we were doing deliveries kind of wherever anyone needed us. And then what ended up happening was so many patients were asking us for uh, support in their treatment center. And so we ended up learning that you do not get meal services from the hospital when you are on outpatient care. So even though you're there for anywhere from like a four to 12 hour day of like doctor's appointments and sitting in chemo for four hours, yeah. um, because you're coming from home and you're coming in sort of irregularly, the hospital does not give you that like tray of food that I think we all picture um, yeah. when you say like, you, hospital just meal. <laughs> you do. And so a lot of patients will come in for their first day of treatment and they assume that the hospital is going to give them something and then they're sitting there and they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm starving. I didn't bring anything with yeah. me. And so we're working, we work closely with the hospital to make sure like, if we can catch patients before that moment happens, mm-hmm. we would love to be there for their first day of treatment. But otherwise, like the nurses are amazing at just letting patients know, like, you know, the, here's a program that you can and should use to make sure that you have meals moving forward on like every single day you come in for treatment. And then we provide meals for any caregivers or loved ones with them. So that way, you know, if your kids, your grandparents, your spouses, like anyone that's coming with you to be um, by your side for treatment, we don't want them having to leave and go find food and it becomes really stressful. Everyone's, you know, now hangry and it's just becomes (laughs) even more stressful day than it already is. And so Mm. we just want to make it much more relaxing and give you time to focus on your health and healing and, you know listening to your medical team and just all of the benefits that come with being nourished and having, uh, having food in your system. So,
0: yeah, I love that. It comes back to like the hierarchy of needs. Like we can't take care of ourselves and do like be even present in knowing what we need to do for ourselves until we're safe, until we have food, until we have water. Like And you forget about that. You forget needs need to be taken care of before you can do any sort of brain functioning. Like (laughs) what you need to be doing.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a very critical first step in just getting anyone anywhere, and just even like relationships and friendships. Like it all stems from just having the yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like food and safety and a roof over your head and just basic basic needs. And so. If you don't have that, it becomes, you know, really difficult to, to move forward and, and know what to do in those next steps. And yeah. So
0: So we've mentioned a little bit about like the growth you've seen in the past 10 years, kind of briefly with, I mean, you're going to be in Dallas. That's incredible helping so many people. Um, What are some of the other things that you've seen, like in growing this past, these past 10 years? as well as what are some of the things you've been learning, um, throughout these 10 years?
1: Yeah, I think what we've really seen is, I mean, a, just learning about these statistics behind malnutrition was really like shocking for us. Um, we always knew that this was like, you know, we started off from the heart and just from a place of like, this is just a really good thing for us to do. And then learning that it's not only really great and nice, but it, does provide this critical void in the cancer community and that we can really help people have better treatment outcomes it was just like a huge um turning point for us and just knowing like we really have to keep going and figuring out what we can keep doing to support our patients i think from what i've learned just working with so many families and cancer patients through these 10 years is just how much it means to know that somebody cares and that is something that I think is is easy to take for granted, but it is just like beyond the food that they're incredibly grateful for. And just like, I was really hungry that day. This meal was amazing. But just the number of times that people reach out saying that they don't have the support system and that like, we have become that for them, or just knowing that there is this lifeline out there that they can come to without feeling any sense of guilt or like, you feel like a burden sometimes to your yeah. friends and your family to ask them for help consistently, and especially with patients that are fighting cancer for, you know, three plus years. And some of the fam- patients we serve, their cancer won't ever they won't ever go into remission, and so like we are their lifeline for the rest of their life. Yeah. And so that is just something that has really just we knew the care side of our name was there for a reason, um, and just seeing that come to life is just really been incredible and even just last year we met a woman named rhonda who's telling us that she was you know walking through the hospital in tears didn't really know if she was going to keep coming to treatment like she was just at her wit's end with wanting to live and our cop my colleague saw her and offered her a meal and she just said i've never experienced such nurturing in my life you from that meal forward you were there for me you were calling me you were checking in you were giving me this amazing food every single time I came for treatment. And she it just reinvigorated her will to live. And she said, you know, I don't know if I'd be standing here if it weren't for if it weren't for you stepping in and, and showing me that light. And so I think don't ever take for granted what just like a warm smile or checking in with someone can do. Yeah. Um, and that's just been something that we've really continue to improve upon and enhance and are just you know constantly thinking what more can we do for our families and you know how can we help them at home is always a huge conversation point for our team it's just yeah. beyond our treatment day meals which is our focus nationally you know people need to eat while they're in treatment yeah, yeah. Um, but then also growing beyond that and figuring out what what can we do to take something off their plate yeah. um at home and just in their daily lives and make food enjoyable
0: like yeah. it should be
1: it should be fun not stressful so yeah.
0: and kind of give them that opportunity to have that moment like where life is stressful in that situation like having that moment of just relief for a second and just enjoying yeah. or
1: i mean it's definitely something i wake up planning like my meals and that's yeah. just like what i look forward to it's like if i don't know what i'm going to be like having for dinner it's like yeah what am I even thinking about today? How am I supposed to like look forward to something? So, yeah. I think that's how you take that sort of. I'm, I'm very sort of conscious of it now that I work with so many patients yeah. that don't have that luxury. But when you're fighting for your life, you don't really have the luxury of like thinking about going out for your next yeah. meal. Like that, that's not really occupying your <laughs> your mind. Yeah, and so making sure those moments are still there for them is just, um, you know, I think critically important.
0: Yeah. I love that. So what are some of the goals that you have for culinary care within, let's say five years, what are, what are some of the goals that you want to see happening with your business? Yeah,
1: We have right now, our, our aim and focus is really just like five cities, five years. Um, And so Dallas will be kind of spearheading the first, and then, you know, we're working through what does that look like? What was successful, you know, in Dallas being our second, our second city, We'll yeah. take a lot of lessons, learn from that, and then just keep growing from there. We've yeah. been really sort of conscious about wanting to expand just once we sort of built our website, people were coming to us and requesting meals all over the nation. Yeah. And so we just saw from like almost day one, how big the need could potentially be. And so we've been really thoughtful about making sure that we're building the right systems and the right foundation to make sure that we can grow and scale and and serve as many families as possible. So that's kind of like our our singular focus. And then there's a lot that comes in, you know, we have a monthly giving community that's consistently growing. That's really gonna be a core part of of helping us reach that goal and into those five cities. And so, um, yeah, we're really just getting focused on what, what that looks like.
0: I love that. Kind of fine tuning yeah. everything to grow.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, um, Something that it's a, it's a journey.
0: Yeah, I
1: don't doubt it. <laughs> it's a journey and a process, and it's definitely a marathon and and not a sprint. And it seems, yeah. you know, cliche to say that, but it truly it truly is something where every single day we're making huge strides. Even this year, um, for our tenth anniversary, we set a goal to deliver ten thousand meals mm-hmm. in celebration of our tenth anniversary, and we that's eighty percent more than we did in twenty twenty two. Wow. And so in 2022, we ended with about 5,500 meals. And by like mid July of this year, we had already surpassed that. And so we're well on our way to hitting our 10,000 meal goal, but that just comes with so many lessons learned and things that, you know, our team has really just doubled down. And it's just amazing at, at getting meals delivered and yeah. <laughs> making sure that our patients feel cared for. So.
0: Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So what does the care side look like like is it anyone who wants to volunteer and participate with the care side i know you mentioned earlier like writing notes and checking in Mm -hmm. with them what does that kind of look like
1: yeah so um the culinary side is handled by all restaurants so we don't have any volunteers that like cook or prep or prepare any of the meals everything is just restaurants so on the care side it's both staff and volunteers and primarily i mean like i would say staff and donors and volunteers is just kind of the three core focal points of our of our care side so from a staff perspective they're the ones on the phone with patients checking in making sure that you know if you don't use internet and you don't want to use our portal to order your meals they are their caregiver and they will order all of the food with them over the phone so our patients actually get to choose what they want to eat so we just go through the menu with them and so we need to know their treatment schedule. And then we go over everything and say, like, you know, what would you enjoy? What are you know are you craving recently yeah. or things like that? So we do everything over the phone for some of our patients. And then otherwise, we just have, um, you know, weekly or monthly check ins depending on your treatment schedule and what you need. And with those, what that could look like is just, you know, letting taking note of what resources came up on the phone. If somebody is, you know, as we're heading into the holiday season if someone expresses that they you know maybe don't have a working oven or they don't know what they're going to do for the holidays we have our holiday program that we activated in response to the conversations that our like care team has so that's just something that we're constantly building new programs on top of just driven by our patients and what they tell us they need Um, but then we have our whole community of donors like our monthly givers and just our corporate sponsors um, and individual, like one-time donors that come in. And on the care side for us, what that really looks like is the number of times that someone says like the idea that a complete stranger was thinking about me and helped make sure that I didn't have to pay for this meal today. And that I had one less thing to worry about today. And that they want me to live means the world to them. And it just creates that sense of community that is so critical to Fighting cancer, like you have to feel supported. And so, you know, from our donors, like that is the love that you give with every single dollar. And then, you know, from our volunteer standpoint, uh, locally in Chicago and just in all of the cities that we will continue to expand into, we have volunteers that will help write cards that go on our meal deliveries. We do like chemo care kits. And so they're almost like goodie bags for things to help you get through a long day of treatment. Um, and then, you know, during the Thanksgiving season, we have just extra care packages that go in, um, to our Thanksgiving meals around Christmas time. We have volunteers that will buy, um, kids gifts to go with the meals that we provide. So the families can not only de-stress about buying those gifts, but also not have to worry about how they're going to celebrate the holidays with the meal. So those are kind of all the little, there's so many little touches that go into what care means, but I think the cards we had one woman during the pandemic and we wrote her a card for her birthday. And she wrote back saying, you know, you are the only person that gave me a card today. It seems like everyone forgot I like the stress of their own lives during that yeah. time. It's, yeah. it's easy to just kind of like, forget yeah. <laughs> about what other people well, are going through yes. and so. like you're
0: not living it and so you know you might remember the first I feel like we talk about that a lot with grief or other things like that like you remember when it happens and you remember that week but then your yeah. life moves on and theirs doesn't you know they're still in it and so yeah to to remember that and to check in with those people
1: yeah I think that's I mean for us that's really where it comes down to is just knowing that there's a community that cares enough to make this program possible for you and then also what they're making possible for you is just all of those little touch points where like where our team is every single day there's someone thinking about what you could possibly need do you need that text message today do you need a card are you celebrating your last day of treatment um you know all of the little touch points that go into um we have a newsletter that we share with our patients that really is just highlighting just feel good things that we found on the internet or you know a health tip we got from our dietitians and things like that. Just anything to just lift their spirits through through this time.
0: So oh that's awesome. I love that. Okay. So so kind of 30 minutes goes by so fast. It does. (laughs) Um so I guess I have kind of two more questions for you. Um the first one is I'm obviously not in Chicago um but our listeners how would they support you guys? How could they give back and participate in this?
1: Yeah, I would say the most meaningful thing that anyone can do right now and to help us grow and be in you know, all of the cities that you're in and live in um, is to join our monthly giving community. It's called The Line. Um, so it was inspired by just all of the line cooks at our favorite restaurants that prep our meals on a daily basis. Um, they're all doing sort of their own part to make sure that meals are are made and that's really what our community of um of, me- of monthly givers does is making sure that they're all doing their part to put meals on our family's plate and know that they um you know have someone out there thinking about them so it can be as little as ten dollars a month to make a difference um so that's definitely the most you know meaningful thing that anyone can do right now yeah. spreading the word and just sharing our organization with, you know, your community is also another huge one. There are so many people that don't know that we are out here and that we exist as an organization. And one of our, what I would love to start hearing the conversation shift from is I wish that I had had culinary care when I was in treatment to, I was so glad that I was able to have culinary care through treatment. And so really switching that conversation, which people need to know about us first and in order for us to expand, um, they're going to need to know about us. So (laughs) yeah, Yeah, just even having, having this conversation goes, uh, goes a really long way. So
0: love it. That's, that's something we can do for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then the last question that I have, I ask kind of all of the people that we interview kind of the same question, but if you had to pick someone or multiple people, Who would you say inspires you and why? Um, And if you can't think of just one person, then kind of the attributes of those people who inspire you.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a good one. Um, Who inspires me? I mean, I feel like there are so many people um, that inspire me. And I think just for me, most recently there was a woman that I talked to who's one of our our donors. Um, And she has this amazing sort of mindset where every time she sees someone in need, she just makes a donation. And I feel like for me, that's something where it's hard to pick just one person because I get to be around so many inspiring people all the time. And those are the types of conversations that I get to have as just really just incredible people doing amazing things in the community trying to do all their part do their part to to help lift others up and so i think that's really to me when someone can just be genuinely just so thoughtful and just say like i'm not even going to think about it you know in a world where we're just so inundated with information and yeah um you know it takes a lot of like takes a lot of touch points to get someone to take an action sometimes and just, you know, hearing those conversations of people that are like, I see something and I see the need and mm-hmm. I'm just going to react. And like, to me, I ended that call and I'm like, what would the world look like if that was
0: everyone's My attitude? <laughs> can you even imagine? Um, like,
1: Yeah. And it doesn't need to be like, she's, it's not like, she's like, it's not the most transformative, you know, yeah. gifts. Like I'm, I'm not donating like millions of dollars, but just knowing that I can take the resources that I have and the, the fortune that I've had and the luck that I've had and be able to just disperse that. Um, So yeah, I think for me, that's, that's someone that comes to mind.
0: Love that. I feel like that's been a theme throughout our whole interview is just like seeing the need and filling it, like seeing it and respecting and moving forward with what you do have.
1: Yeah. Don't overthink it. It's just like one person at a time. I think a lot of people think, well, how am I going to make like the biggest difference possible? I want to just do everything all at once. And there is just, you know, whether it's culinary care and this cause resonates, or if it's just any organization that you feel strongly about or the change that you want to see in the world. I mean, that's where I think even just those $10 a month makes such a huge difference. Like we can, we can give it to, you know, companies like Netflix and Spotify. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think we can do it for the charities that we love. So for sure.
0: Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Courtney. It was so good to interview you. So good to have you on the podcast. I feel like I learned so much. And <laughs> I I want to be that person. Like you get motivated to be like, okay, well, I'm going to be that person who like sees it and I'm going to do something about it. Um, So Amazing. thank you. Your story was great. And I'm so glad that we were able to interview you today.
1: Well, I'm so grateful for it. And thank you so much for helping us spread awareness and uh, looking forward to Hopefully, you know, seeing everyone out in the community as we continue to grow.
0: Yeah. Um, For our listeners on the pod, my challenge for you today is to find a cause that resonates with you. Culinary Care, great. I'm going to have links to their stuff in our little bio for this episode so you can check them out there. Um, But find something that resonates you, even if it's a simple act of kindness for the day, see it and respond to it. Um, So that's going to be your challenge, you guys. Do something that makes you feel good, that makes other people feel good this week. We're so grateful for you guys, and we hope you guys have a great week. See ya.